thank you, thank you. We cannot do it without you. It takes a lot of people to make up a service. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Second Corinthians, chapter number three. We're going to be looking at verse number 12 through verse 18. When you get there, say amen. Second Corinthians, chapter number three, verse 12 through verse number 18. Thank you, Lord. Let's read together. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not stand fast and look to the end of that which is abolished. But their mind were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away. In the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses read, the veil is up on their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You may be seated. So in verse number 13 is where we're going to take our subject. Not as Moses was put a veil of his face, that the children of Israel could not stand fast and look to the end of that which is abolished. So we're going to be talking about when the veil is taken away. When the veil is taken away. Say that with me. When the veil is taken away. Now last week we talked about, uh, Lord, take away my veil. First teaching in, in this series we talked about, part one, the Lord is that spirit. So when you say the Lord is that spirit, you have to know where the Lord lives. He is that spirit. The Lord lives in me. That's how you know you're saved. Somebody say amen. amen. Say the Lord, the Lord. Is, that is that spirit. All right, now let's pray. Father, we thank you now for the Holy Spirit. You are and the Holy Spirit is one. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and the honor. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for creating us, making us new creations in Christ. Now we bless you. We praise you. We appreciate you. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for giving us your anointing. Thank you for giving us your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. Thank you for giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We honor you in this place. We give you all our praise and our glory. Now teach us, lead us, and guide us, and help us understand your new covenant in the precious blood and precious name of our Lord Jesus. All that agree with their prayer said amen. amen. All right. Now what i like to do today, i like to get right into the word. Let's go to... Uh, the Lord is that spirit we talked about the first time. Then we move into, Lord, uh, take away my veil. Today we're talking about when the veil is taken away. The first thing I told you this morning was, as a son, when the veil is taken away, you'll be led by the spirit. The first thing happened is Romans chapter number 8. We're just going to give you that, verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. When the veil is taken away, you'll be led by the spirit. That's the first thing is going to happen. When you get born the Spirit, you have to understand you got to be now led by the Spirit. He cannot lead you by the Spirit until the veil is taken away. That's what we must understand. A lot of times we just we do things our own. We've done it on our own so long, and we, if things worked out for us, the Lord helped us. But we have to understand that when the veil is taken away, you'll be led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. Romans chapter 8. And verse number 14. Uh, let's get right on that. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Say that with me. When you're led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. So the first thing happened is when God take away your veil, you know you're his son because the whole purpose of taking away your veil is that you can see him. He wants you to see him. 
All right, but if you have the veil there, that means you've been blinded. Uh, and religion is, a, is, is really can be a blinder. There's a whole lot of things. We talked about those things. One of them is ignorance. That's why Paul's ministry is so much is to remove ignorance. See, he has to remove ignorance from our minds. We, we don't understand. That's why Paul says, when you think you know, you know not as you ought to know. You know nothing at all. Amen. All right, so now we're going to move to the next part. Uh, Romans 8, 14 told us, for as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, let's go to Galatia, because we gave you another part of that. In Galatia chapter number 5. So we, we, not, we don't want to go over all of this. We just want to catch up. Romans chapter, chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Said this, this uh, I say verily, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then he told you the flesh lust against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. So when the veil is taken away, flesh is taken away. When the veil is taken away, flesh is taken away. That's, that's the veil. See, what keeps you from seeing Christ is flesh. Amen. It keeps you from, you see, that's what you have to understand. You got to get flesh out of your life. You, you got to understand it's, it's Christ. Flesh, want you to, flesh do not want you to see the Lord. Somebody say amen. 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 When the veil is taken away, the Bible said the lust of the flesh it says, uh, the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so, so you cannot do the thing that you would. So you have to understand that's the whole purpose of flesh is to keep you from seeing the Lord. And so that's what you understand that. All right. But in verse number 18, it said, but if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, he went right from you are not under the spirit. Uh, I'm sorry. For if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. So the only, see, when you're still under the law, you're not led by the Spirit. You have your own agenda. And so what I want to do today is I want to I you, show you what he meant by that. So let's go to Romans 10 and 4, and then we're going to go to Romans 3, 19 through 28. Romans chapter number 10 and verse 4. So this, this word we got on this morning, we have to see Christ as the end. And we want to show you that because they could not see, 2 Corinthians 3, 13, they could not see the end of that which is abolished. They could not see the end of that which is abolished. See, we have to understand that they could not see the end of that which is abolished. So Romans chapter 10 and verse 4 told us Christ is the end. See, I can put the law there because the, Christ is the end of all old things. Christ is the end of the law. See, Christ is the end of death. Christ is the end of all old things. Christ is the end of sin. Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of death. See, that's what Paul taught. That's why he taught that in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7. He showed you that. It's Christ. Christ ended those things. So in Romans 10 and 4, it says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believe it. So I'm going to show you in the word of God how Christ became the end. See, he, he already was the end in the beginning. So that's why you must understand he got his, one of his names. Look at, look at Revelation 118. 118. Uh, we kind of rolling ahead a little forward here, but look at Revelation 118. See, you have to understand that Christ is both. He is the beginning and he's the ending. So you have to understand, God began with Christ, he ended with Christ. So that's what you got to understand. Your Bible started with, with, with Adam, it ended with Adam. That just was one of his names. See, I am he that liveth, was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. So you have to understand, if he had the keys of hell and death, he had to already conquer death and hell. Somebody give him glory. Somebody say amen. amen. So he's the end of the law. Now we saw this morning in Hebrew chapter 9 and verse 26. We want to, we want to take you into the word. But in Hebrew chapter 9 and verse 26, when God talking about the end, you have to understand he's talking about a person, not a time. When you hear people talking about the end of the world, the end of the world is not in your future. 
The end of the world is in your past. But because people don't know, they are telling you the end of the world is coming. They don't even know what the end of the world is. The end of the world is the end of all flesh. See, I'm going to show you that because it's the same thing that happened in the book of Genesis. When I take you back to Genesis, I'm going to show you the end of the world. We're going, to, we're going to put that in your notes. We're going to take you back just a moment. We're going to go back to Genesis. You can put down chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Then we're going to go to Genesis chapter, chapter 6 and verse 13. Put those two things down. Genesis 2, 1 and 2. Genesis chapter number 6, verse 13. See, when people hear the end, the first thing they think about is time. Well, the end of time happened at the cross. That's why I keep telling you that you do not live in time, you live in eternity. Amen. That's why you have to have faith. Now in the Old Testament, if you was on the other side of the cross, then you was in time. You didn't have faith. Amen. Nobody had faith before the cross. Write that down, Deuteronomy 32, 20. See, in the Old Testament, nobody had faith. So when you got in the new covenant, you had to have faith to live because you are not in time no more. Amen. You don't need faith if you're in time. Just set your clock, it's going to happen. But when you're in eternity, you don't have time, so you're going to have to have faith. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now, now watch what the word says. It says, for then, we're in Hebrew 9, 26, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Now, you see the word foundation of the world? That's Adam. God only laid two foundations. And that's Adam and Christ. God only created two men. That's Adam and Christ. Adam is the foundation of the old world. That means if you, was, if you, in, if you, if you in Adam, you in flesh. That's the old world. The new world is spirit. You have to be in Christ to be in spirit. So that's why you had to be born of the spirit so you, God can put you in the spirit. You can't come into the spirit realm without Christ. It's just like when they got ready to go to the new world, they had to build an ark. And everybody got in the ark, went to the new world in Genesis. And the only reason you didn't go to the new world, you didn't get in the ark. Amen. Now, Christ is the only way you can get into the new world today. Amen. Get the Lord a big hand. You'll be able to get that. Amen. See, people want to see the Lord. They want to live with the Lord, but they don't want to get in the new world. You have to get in Christ to go there. Amen. Just like then, you had to get in the ark to go there. Everybody got in the ark, lived. They went through the flood, which the word flood means persecutions. But once the persecution was over, once the flood was over, that's why, the, that's why the flood lasted 40 days and 40 nights. So when you come over to the new covenant, the flood, the persecution lasted 40 years. And that's why if you look at Jesus' life, Jesus died A.D. 30. If you add 40 years, you come to 8070. You can Google that and see when Jerusalem was destroyed. Just try sometime. When was Jerusalem destroyed, Google? <laughs> It'll tell you AD 30. You ever tried it? See, it's not a secret. It happened 40 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So when Jesus came, Jesus started a new world. So when people, religious people, they call it a new world order. Well, they don't even know what they're talking about. The key is until, you, until the veil is taken away, you cannot see what God is doing. You cannot see what God has done. So I'm going to take you through the word. So in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 26. Hebrew chapter 9 and verse number 26. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world, 
So people already told us, yeah, but the, the end of the world is going to come, and when the end of the world comes, the Lord is going to send Jesus back when the end of the world comes. When the end of the world comes, God is going to send Jesus back, and when Jesus comes back, then Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem, going to raise the dead, and all of us going back to Jerusalem and live. He's going to take us up, he's going to clean off the earth and kill all the folks who don't want God, we all come back down to the earth, and guess what? You're going to have to wear a earth suit. You can't live here without an earth suit. That don't make sense. To kill everybody off the earth and then put you back on the earth in an earth suit. And what you think you're going to do when you see a woman, whoa, man. No, you, 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 you're missing it. People are lying to you. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say to you, you must be born again. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world, once in the end of the world, what happened in the end of the world? Hath he appeared to put away sin? Well, you, you, know, you know that had to go with the crucifixion. So it can't be what people think it is. Write down 1 John 2, 15. We'll go there next. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Well, if, if he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself in the end of the world, it can't be in your future. Come on, you, 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 you smarter than that. When did he put away sin? In the end of the world. But the end of the world got to be back here at the cross. So the end of the world cannot be time. The end of the world means the end of all flesh. And the only way you're going to know that, you have to know Genesis. So I told you we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, but not now. Less, and then he says, and it's appointed to men, watch this, wants to die. But after this, the judgment. And people don't realize you died already. You could not be a new creation if you hadn't died. Amen. See, that's why you have to read books like Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, 8. Those books will tell you that you already died. You died to sin already. Amen. See, you already died. See, the key is people don't know the word and they're just speaking a lot of confusion if you listen to them. Mess your head up. Christ offered to bear the sins of many. He's already done that 2,000 years ago. Under them that look for him, shall he appear the second time. Shall he appear the second time without sin and the salvation. He appeared the second time to, to Israel. He appeared many days. I can show you in, in the end of the book of Mark, he appeared in the 14th chapter at least three times. He appeared to Paul. He appeared on the road to Damascus to Paul. So he appeared many times, but people are still looking for him to come back. Now, let's look at the end of the world because that's when, they, that's when Jesus told them it's going to happen. We showed you that this morning. We had Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 1. We'll take you that. We'll show you that in Matthew 24, 1. We'll go back there. But look, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. Now we know the host was all of God's angels. They were called the host. And also Israel was called his host. But nevertheless, on the, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And then God rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. He's already created all things and he rested. So once Jesus created all things, what he did, he rested. That was his death, being resurrection. And God said to Noah, here we go. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh. So I know what ended. And that was called the end of the world. See, the end of the world was the end of all flesh. The end of all flesh has come before me. But watch what happened. The only way man can get out of flesh, he had to find grace. So that's why the Bible said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. 
So we have to know what's, what happened. If you understand Genesis, you have to understand. If you understand the first foundation, you understand the second. Because the first, there's no, nothing new under the sun. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, it said Noah found something. In Genesis 6 and 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, everybody else is going to be destroyed. Look at verse 7, back up to verse 7. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse, verse 7, back up to verse 7. Watch what happened in verse 7. The Lord said, I will destroy man. See, that's what God destroyed, flesh. Now, why, Adam, why Noah would not destroy is what I'm going to ask you later on, so get ready for it. And the Lord said, the, said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things, fowls of the air, for it repented me that I had made man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, why was Noah not, why was Noah spared? Why was Noah saved in Israel? Because he found something. So why are you saved today? That's right. In the days of the apostle Paul, and God destroyed the, the earth, why did he save Paul? Simple, because Paul found grace. That's why Paul preached God's grace is sufficient. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's why God spared him. That's why God spared you, because you found grace. All right, so that's Genesis. That's Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13. Now, I gave you something else I said I'm going to take you to, right? Okay, Deuteronomy 32, 20. I'm going to go to 1 John 2. But Deuteronomy 32, 20, I'm showing you people in the Old Testament did not have faith. See, the Bible told you in the book of Galatia that faith came, when, when faith came. See, faith had not come to Jesus died and rose, died and raised again from the dead. You couldn't have no faith. You, had to, you, you couldn't have faith until Jesus raised from the dead. He's the only one who had it. He had to give us his faith. All right, it says, and he says, I would hide my face from them. I would see what they're in. Remember, that's where we at before the cross was their end. He was talking about Israel. He prophesied about Israel. I would see what their end shall be. They are very forward generation. They are children in whom there is no faith. So they, Israel did not have faith. That's why when Jesus Christ came there for three and a half years, he ministered the word of God and he said this, how is it that you have no faith? He said stuff like this, where is your faith? They didn't have any faith. I said they didn't have any. They couldn't get faith until they get, get saved. When you got born of the spirit, the spirit of faith came with your salvation package. Look at Galatians 2.20. And if you don't believe in Christ's death, being and resurrection, you don't have faith. Amen. Feel all right, brother? I know it, brother. This, this is your day, man. <laughs> this is your day. I'm crucified with Christ. See, people don't want Christ's death, being and resurrection. The Bible says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. If he don't live in you, you don't have his faith. He said, Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me on the cross and gave himself for me. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. See, he realized you can't get righteousness by the law. You, by the law means you can't be right by taking communion. You can't be right by getting water baptized because you can't get it that way. You had to get it from an old rugged cross. You had to give it from a man. Jesus Christ gave us his righteousness. Let's see how you got righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I feel all right today. Let's see how I got my righteousness. I got it by 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is how I got my righteousness. Somebody gave me their righteousness and I gave them my mess. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> I gave them my mess. Yeah. For he has made him to be sin for us 
who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Somebody give him praise. We were made the righteousness of God in him. I gave him my sin. He gave me his righteousness. That's a pretty good trait. That's why Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. His grace is sufficient for me. 1 John 2, 15 told you what the world was. Love not the world, neither the thing that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And in the very next verse, he told you what the world is. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. So he's not talking about what people think he's talking about. He's talking about what's inside of a man. Jesus destroyed the world. He destroyed all flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life in verse 16. He said, that's not, of the, that's not of the Father. That's of the world. And then it says, the next verse, in case you missed it, and the world passes away. And the lust thereof. All that stuff, flesh will pass away. Man told you, God going to, the man told you, that the preacher going to put you in the grave and God going to come by and get, get that flesh? Are you kidding me? That's why he said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God don't want that flesh no more. He destroyed that flesh. And the world passed away. That's the flesh. And the lust that's in the flesh passed away. But he that doeth the will of God, the soul man that believeth God, he abided forever. Somebody give him praise in this house. Yes, sir, Lord Jesus. Go to Romans 3, 19 through 28. That's why I see I'm going right. No, Matt, are you right? Matthew 24, 1. Keep me focused. And Jesus went out of the temple, departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. They bragging on their temple. Jesus said, look, all oh, that's going to be destroyed. And the communion table that was in the temple. See, that's what we don't understand. It was the communion table in the temple. Everything you talk about keeping was in the temple. If he destroyed the temple, he had to destroy the communion table because the communion table is in the temple. If you don't think so, I don't want to go, I could go show it to you right now. The table of showbread was in the temple. Oh my God. See, we don't want to believe God. God destroyed that stuff. But I'm going to show you just a moment that he destroyed all of the ordinances. We'll get to that. The Bible says old things have passed away. He, he mean that. All the old things were Old Testament things, types and shadows. All right, all right, we did that. For many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay, let's go to Romans 3.19. Romans 3.19. In Romans 3.19, I'm going to show you why God had to destroy the law. Now, Three things you're going to see a pattern of God destroying. He destroyed the law, he destroyed sin, and he destroyed death. See, people don't, don't believe. See, they say they believe God, but they don't believe what God did. See, that's why you got faith. If you got faith, you got faith to believe what God has done. That's what faith is. That's what his faith is for. So you can believe what God has done. If you don't have faith, you cannot believe God has destroyed the law. But he did it as fulfilling, completing, putting an end to the law. But not just the law, sin and then death. So when I say like this, there's no sin in the believer. Now I didn't say that just because I'm Pastor Crump. I said the word says. The Bible told you there's no sin in the believer. But when you don't know what that is, you're like, I don't know that. But if I show it to you in the world, would you believe it? Yes. I said, if I show it to you in the world, would you believe it? Yes. Okay, look at First John. You know if I tell you. If I tell you a chicken dip snuff, look on the wing, give me the cup. <laughs> I know you never heard of that. You have to be from Mississippi. That boy here, he's, that boy from Mississippi, he know what I'm talking about. The Bible told you there's no sin in him and he cannot sin. In 1 John chapter 3, 
start verse 1. See, you just got to believe what the Bible says. See, we, see, we keep saying, oh, I believe what the Bible says. Okay. They had no sin in the believer. Well, I don't know. See, there you go. Because you don't believe. And that's understand, it's because there's a veil there. See, a veil keeps the mind from believing. It's called ignorance. I'm waiting on 1 John 3, 1. Be, be, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Glory to God. Woo. When John saw that, he said, look, behold, what manner of love the Father has put upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. And then he says, therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, when you get a revelation of him, we shall be like him. Now that's what we're going to in our message. Because you can't be like him until you see him. Whew. I'm going to tell you, boy, what changed Paul's life is he saw him. You go back and look at it. What changed Paul's life was he behold him. If he had just dropped his head and went on way, he'd been all right. But no, he wanted to see. And when he saw, it blinded him for three days and three nights. But when his eyes were open, he said, I saw the Lord. Amen. And he was high and lifted up, just like Isaiah 6 and 1, and his glory filled the temple. What changes Moses was, he saw a bush burning, but it was not being consumed. So God got in the bush and just burned. And Moses never saw nothing like that before. And God, he was on the backside of the desert, tending to the sheep. But he saw that bush burning. He got so close until God says, take off your shoes. Too late, he couldn't go back. You stand on holy ground. See, it had been all right. It, it, it had been all right if the young man that followed Moses, how many know what his name was? Joshua, some of y'all know I see you. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. Joshua would have been all right if he had left the man alone. He saw a man standing over there with a sword drawn. He went over there like, Are you for us? Are you for the adversary? He said, Take off your shoes. You stand on holy ground. He couldn't do them with all his faith because he know who that is. Because once you get close to him, you will feel the presence. Hallelujah. Boy, I know what I'm talking about. He's high and lifted up, brother. I'm telling you right now, nothing like his glory. There's nothing like his presence. If his presence ever touch your life, it's going to change. You'll be changed. He changes you. I'm telling you right now, you may not even like going to church, but when the Holy Ghost come on you, you get beside yourself. All right, 1 John chapter 3 is where I am. Verse number 2 said, Beloved, now we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. See, see him as he is what caused us to be like him. That's what. He said, Every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgress also the law. For sin is the transgression of a law. And we know that he was manifested, I mean, manifested in the flesh. He came, into, he came into time to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Now, wait a minute. If no sin is in him, and I'm in him, ooh, I can get beside myself. But see, the key is, is how much do you believe? It's one thing to say I believe, but how much do you believe? How far do your faith go? How much is your measure? Because when he says in him and no sin, it should have gave you a clue that if ain't no sin in him, and I'm in him, and he's in me, can't be no sin in me. But we're going to continue. Whosoever committed, now watch what he's going to say. He says, uh, uh, in verse 3 says, every man that has his hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. 
Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law. Now, what committed means to serve. You don't serve sin. You're not under the law. You can't serve sin unless you're under the law. You are not a servant. You are a son. So to serve sin, you had to be a servant. Okay. You didn't come out of Egypt, did you? Did you? I said you didn't come out of Egypt. You've never been in Egypt. Okay. And you know that he was manifested, came in the flesh, came in time to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So now Jesus came in the flesh to take away our sin. How many believe he took it away? Amen. See, I hear about five. I see six, seven, eight, nine, ten. See, either he took it away or he didn't take it away. Hold your finger right there. Go to 1 Peter 2, 28. Be right back. Hold your finger right there at 1 John 3 and 5. The Bible says it was manifest to take away our sin. Well, let's see, did it take away? Let's ask Peter. Peter was there. 1 Peter 2, 24. Peter, did he take away our sin? Let's find out from Peter. See, God got all kind of witness. He, the Bible says he left not himself. He left not himself a witness. He left not himself without a witness. Who his own self, Peter says. He bare our sins in his own body. Peter said he carried our sins in his own body and he carried them to the truck, to the cross, to a tree, Peter called it. That we being dead to sin shall live on the righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Peter said his own self. That's his, the word soul. His own soul bare our sins. On the tree. That's why when Jesus Christ was in the garden, that's when he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. His soul. That's why his soul cried out. And let's go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. I'm not done with you yet. So the Bible says he was manifested to take away our sins. He was manifested in the flesh. He came in the flesh to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. And then it said, whosoever abideth in him. Abide means live. So whoever lives in him, sin is not. Now that's not what folks are telling you. Whosoever sinned has not seen him, neither known him. See, people take this and say, okay, I can do what I want to do. No, that's not what we're talking about. Because he's not talking to your flesh. He's talking to your soul. It's your spirit, your soul that lives in him. Now he said, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he's righteous. So if I have believed on the righteousness, if I'm a person who has been made the righteousness of God in Christ, then I'm as righteous as he's righteous. Amen. See, now that's what, we, that's what we have our problem right there. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm as righteous as he's righteous. Well, either you're righteous or you ain't. <clears throat> you, made, you didn't make yourself neither one. So either you, either you believe he made you righteous or you still an old sinner. You can be either one you want to be. <laughs> he that committed sin, the word committed means serveth. He that committed sins of the devil. He that serves sins of the devil. And you know that's not you. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, once again, this purpose was the Son of God manifested. This is why Jesus Christ came in the flesh, manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. How many know the works of the devil was sin? So you need to put that in your Bible in case you didn't know what the devil did. The works of the devil were sin. Then in verse 9, whosoever born of God, hold it, Lord. I said, hold it right there. Because I want to make sure you got your focus on. I just got some new glasses. <laughs> Probably got about eight now. All right. Got to have one. You wear glasses, you got one everywhere. You know, you, you got glass, you know what I'm talking about. You go to the bathroom, you got glass. You got to work, you got glass. You, get, you go to the kitchen table, you got glass. Inside your bed, you got glass. <laughs> God drive your car, you got glass. Amen. Better put them on, stop playing around. A lot of y'all just squeaking your eye and all the way back here, you might just, just get some glasses. All right, watch what they're going to say now. Watch what they're going to say. Don't drop your cup. Whosoever, how I many whosoever's in here? Amen. I'm talking about that's born of God. They know you've been born of God. Whosoever born of God does not commit sin. Now the word commit means serve. See, that's what people understand. See, does not serve sin. Sin is not your master. Why? Because you're not in the law. 
He did not say the lust of the flesh. See, we get the lust of the flesh mixed up with something else. See, all this other stuff you're talking about, that lust of the flesh. Whosoever committed sin, whosoever's born of God does not commit sin. Why? Here it is. Because Christ remains in him. Because his seed, Christ, no S on it, his seed, Christ, remains in him. And, and, and don't drop Charlie. Now, if it wasn't Charlie, I would have told you, but you, Charlie, have taken it. He said he cannot. I, show, I told you, I'm going to show it to you. A born-again believer, your born-again believing spirit cannot sin. The Bible just told you. He cannot, he didn't say he might do it sometime. See, what you, you, what you got messed up with is a flesh man. That guy on the outside, he the one getting you in trouble. <laughs> and without the word, you cannot control the man on the outside. Amen. Amen. Your newborn again spirit man cannot sin. He's sealed by the Holy Ghost. Your soul has been sealed to the day of redemption. You can't sin. He can't sin. Can't nothing get to him anymore. Can't, no, can't no, nothing unrighteous get to him anymore. He cannot sin because he's, your soul been born of God. This is how you know the children of God and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. The children has not been made righteous and not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Because if you're born again, you can walk in love now. Amen. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back. Man, I got a lot to show you. Let's go back to Romans 3, 19. What, is that where I was? That's where I'm going. Let's go to Romans 3, 19. You enjoying the word? Amen. Man, I tell you, when I said that earlier, that you cannot sin, you're like, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait. wait. See what you, you got going. Let me show you something now. You got to understand something. Let me show you this before I go to where so I won't, you don't put nobody in a position and say, Pastor Crump just told them they can do what they want to do over there. No, 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 that is not what I said. Let me show you. Go to Galatians. Go to Galatia. Galatians chapter 5. And verse 19. See, all you got to do is just read the Bible. Galatians 5 told you. When people are doing stuff, it's called a work of the flesh. The work of the flesh does not rob you of your eternal life. It shortens your natural life. So I hope you understand. If I, if I as a pastor of the Door of Faith Christian Church, mess around and get a girl pregnant, she's going to be pregnant Monday morning. She's going to be pregnant until she had that baby. God's not going to say, well, that didn't happen because that's Pastor Earl Crump. No, if Pastor Earl Crump in the natural, if he get a baby, he's going to have a baby. Because that was my flesh. That which is flesh is flesh. That's why God born you out of it. That's why you are not to allow it to rule and reign over you no more. That's why you are not to allow your flesh to control you. you don't, you're not to allow that to happen. Your flesh has its own mind. Hello. Now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these. All these things people talk about is the work of the flesh. I, I, don't, I can't name them all because Paul just start, stop and say, and et cetera. Because they just keep going and on. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. He just goes on and on. Envy, and idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, and immolation, wrath, strife, sedition. He just go. he could have went on all day. Because everything he's talking about is the work of the flesh. Now that's what the flesh does. If you let it. The flesh can hate if you let the flesh hate. But just because your flesh don't like somebody, it does not cause your soul not to be saved. 
It just shortens your life. Because God already told you that people who do not bring forth fruit will not be here long. God created you to bring forth fruit, to bear fruit. You read John 15. You read John 15. My question is this. If you ask God to allow you to live a long life, then you ought to be able to say why. If God said, why should I let you live a long life? You do everything against what I ask. So why you need to live a long life? I do better getting you off the planet. <laughs> I, believe, I believe God allows us to stay till we, a lot of us, because he knows we're going to change. A lot of us, he knows going to change, so he leaves us here. But then there are some people not going to change. See, you can live wrong and shorten your life. See, you know what God told him? You know what God said in the Old Covenant? That if you honor your mother, your father... Your days shall be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth you. That's what's one of the promises of the old covenant. And then he told them, but if you dishonor your mother and your father, your days will not be long upon the land that the Lord thy God giveth you. Now, I know that was the old covenant, but I don't play with that. No, I'm not playing with that. My mother... She was here sitting right there first, sir. My mother be 92 years old in the 18th of this month. See, I can see it when she ain't here right now. 18th this month. But my mother, no, I have never, ever dishonored my mother. I never talked back to my mother. My mother, I don't think, have never heard me curse. I respect that woman. That's my mother. I don't talk back to that mother. When mother tell me something on the phone today, I'm 70 years old and I still go do it. Amen. That's my mother. God promised a long life. I still respect that knowing I'm not under the old covenant, but I don't take it for granted. I don't bother that. Because I don't see nowhere where he took that away. So. Amen. And the new covenant is still said, honor your mother and your father. Amen. It also for fathers, father provoke not your children to wrath. See, we have to know what the word says to be able to do what the word tells us. My children has no reason to tell me they couldn't, they ain't going to church. They have no reason. <laughs> I, why? I'm going to say why. All right, let's move on. Now, in Romans, right? In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 19. All right, now let's go, because we need to read this quickly. My time is getting out of here. Romans 3, 19 said, Now we know that whatsoever thing the law says, it says to them which are under the law. So when the law says something, it wasn't talking to you because you're not under the law. Let me show you that in Romans 6, 14. Romans 6, 14. See, once you got born of the Spirit, you're not under the law anymore. Once you're born of the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit. Remember I showed you Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, they that are the sons of God is not on the law. Amen. Anybody remember that? Amen. Right. So if, you're, if, you're born, if you are a son of the living God, you cannot be under the law. Amen. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why sin shall not have dominion over you? Why? Because you're not on the law. You're not on the law. Look at somebody and say, you're not on the law. Yeah, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not in the law. But what are you under? Amen. See, so you're supposed to know what you're under. You're under the dispensation of grace. Amen. All right, so when you talk about Romans 3.19, he says, under the law. Who are under the law? Now we know that whatsoever thing the law says, it saith of them who are under the law. So, so what the law says is not talking to you, is it? No. Then it said that every mouth may be stopped in all the world. The world. That's not you. The world, the world is flesh. See, if you write them things down, you realize the world is flesh. And all the world may become guilty before God. That can't be you. There's no condemnation to you because you're not the world, right? Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified because you can't be made righteous by keeping the law. For the law, by the law, the knowledge of sin. So you don't have a knowledge of sin unless you try to keep the law. 
All right, let's keep, let's keep going. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, talking about Christ, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Well, when was the law witnessed by the law and the prophets? When was the, when was the righteousness of God without the law manifested? He's talking about Christ when he's on the, uh, in, in Matthew 17, when Jesus Christ was transfigured. And it was Moses and Elias who represent the law and the prophets. You understand what that means? Okay, he said, for even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, Jesus Christ, upon all and all them that believe. But he was witnessed by the law and the prophets. If he witnessed by Moses and Elias, you understand? The law and the prophets? <sighs> Y'all do know the law and the prophets mean Moses and Elias. When you say Moses, that's the law. When you say Elijah, that's the prophets. Okay. Amen, lights. All right, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what we hear is we hear that. God is just declaring all guilty because every man has sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many know what the glory of God is? I mean, you taught them that yet, but what is it? The glory of God is God's righteousness. So all have sinned and come short of God's righteousness. And that's, that's, uh, that's understandable because there was no one righteous but him. All right, so we came short, didn't we? <laughs> well, I tell you, you just squeeze that out of you. <laughs> Being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the perpetuation through faith in his blood. What's the perpetuation? <laughs> Final payment, right? Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. So God gave his righteousness for the remission of sin. God gave his righteousness for the forgiveness of sin. See, God took our sin and gave us his righteousness. All right, that I passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. Whereas boasting then is excluded. By what law? By works? No. By the law of faith. See, you have now we are under the law of faith. Not the law, but the law of faith. All right, because faith is the law. If you operate it, it'll work for you. Somebody said the law of faith. Right. You have to operate. This law of faith, it just don't operate by itself. That's why if you don't believe, it doesn't work. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, that's first I want to do right there. Because I want to, from there, I want to take you uh, in, into some things that I want to show you in, in Daniel. I told you I was going to do that. Let's go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 10 through 19. Help me to do it, Lord. We was talking about the word at the end. And we showed you that's who Christ is. So the book of Daniel, chapter number 8, and verse 10. Now, this was prophecy, and God was telling Daniel when the end going to be. Now, I gave you Hebrew 9.26 and showed you the end of the world was at the cross. Anybody remember that? Amen. All right, let's go to Hebrew 9.26 first. See, if you don't know, I have to go back and show you. No need to just, no need to be, be the only one, no, you know. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 26. Here we, here we go. Pay attention. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Now the foundation of the world is the beginning of the world. That's Adam. See, that God only had the foundation of the world in the old covenant was Adam. The foundation of the world is Christ with his new foundation. Right? Right. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, Half. So he tell you what the end of the world is? He had appealed to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So if he died on the cross to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, it was the end of the world. So if the end of the world was the end of all flesh. Okay, so you got it. All right. So no flesh can glow in his presence anymore. Right? So he destroyed flesh at the cross. Now in the new covenant, you have to have faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. Right? God does not honor you because of who you are. That's what Peter talked about. I perceive that God in respect of persons. Ain't that right? All right. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 10. And it was, and it waxed great. Now he's talking about uh, the goat. For those that may not understand 
what happened, a lot of you should have got this in history. Maybe I should come to your school and teach your teacher this for history. Because you got to know this. Uh, when you talk about Nebuchadnezzar, how, how many young people, we got our children's church back there today. How many of our children's church have heard about Nebuchadnezzar? Hmm. Got a few back there. Nebuchadnezzar. Heard about Nebuchadnezzar. How, how many heard about the Medes and the Persians? How many heard about the Grecians? How many heard about the Romans? Let me show you how it went. We had Israel was taken into captivity during the days of Jeremiah by Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar was the ruler of the world at that time. That's why when, he, when Daniel was in, when Daniel and the Hebrew boy, they would not bow, they put him in the fiery furnace. How many of you heard that? They put him in the fiery furnace and they did not burn because they kept their faith in God. Daniel was putting a lounge in, but the enemy did not destroy Daniel because the Holy Ghost shut their mouths, took away their power all night. Why? Because he got in there with them. Nothing going to hurt you when God with you. You can give, you can, if you can just catch on to what I'm trying to tell you. You hear word about what the enemy going to do and God living right up in the house and saying, you said what? He going to do what? You have not heard greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, the kids, we just don't know who in us. That's why we're doing this series. All right. Now, you had, you had Nebuchadnezzar, said Nebuchadnezzar, and said they, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was destroyed by the Medes and the Persians. See, you have to notice your study of Daniel. The Medes and the Persians were two horns. The word horn means power. So the Medes and the Persians got together and went over and paid Nebuchadnezzar a visit and took his kingdom. All right? Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful army now, the most powerful in all the world. Because when, when he blew the trumpet and the sack, sack button and all this stuff, everybody had to bow because Nebuchadnezzar was the man. But the Medes and the Persians cared nothing about Nebuchadnezzar. They went to Nebuchadnezzar's house and put him out and took his kingdom. Amen? But they were called the ram with the two horns. All right? Now, we got another, we got another thing coming here. Because now the goat came. Now, the goat was the Grecians. So you study this, you need to know these names. So that was, now I got this already in the storehouse on the book of Daniel. You got the whole book from the first book of Daniel all to the end. On CD. All right? Now, the, the Medes and the Persians overthrew Nebuchadnezzar. Being the Grecians overthrew the Medes and the Persians. And then who, who overthrew the Grecians? Anybody know? The Romans. So when Christ came, who was in charge? Who was, who was in captivity? The Romans. So when they told Jesus, when, when the devil came to Jesus in Matthew 4, Luke 4, he told him all this power will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Well, see, he gave that power to Nebuchadnezzar. He gave that power to the Medes and the Persians. He gave that power to uh, the Grecians. And they had given that power to the Romans. Now the Romans in charge, but they thought they was over, over Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at him and says, look, he, Jesus said, don't you know, I, this is what the Roman soldier said to Jesus, don't you know I have power to crucify you? I got power to let you go if I wanted to. Jesus said, ho, ho. You would not have any power at all except I gave it to you. So, so, so get through doing what you're going to do so I can rise and get out of here. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, you got to hear this word because when I get to the new cup, you're going to need to know this word. This is why I'm doing Daniel chapter 8. In Daniel chapter 8, and I want to go down now to verse 10. So I showed you all that and go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, And it's wax great, even to the hosts of heaven, cast down some to the hosts of the stars of the ground, and stamped upon them. Now we heard that in the book of Revelation, where the stars of heaven fell, which were the twelve tribes of Israel, leaders, they were fallen to the earth. All right? Yea, he magnified himself even as the prince of the host. All right? And by him the daily sacrifice were taken away. This is what Thessalonians was trying to tell you. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. 
So, the, so when he, what he did, he threw down the sanctuary, he tore down Jerusalem. That's why Jesus gave in Matthew 24, 1, that that's going to happen. Well, this is the one that did it. And then it says, and host was given him against the daily sacrifice. You remember that at that time they did the sacrifice of the lamb, the goat, the bull, the turbot, in the sanctuary, but the tabernacle was destroyed. Okay, and then it said, uh, in transgression. Then verse number 11 says, it cast he the truth to the ground, the word, the law. And it practiced and prospered. That was this. And then verse number 13 said, Then I heard one saint, that's why I told you wasn't a saint. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto a certain saint, they got the saints together, ain't they? <laughs> Which spake, watch what the saint asked another saint. How long shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of the desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host be trodden underfoot? Let's see what the word said. Let's go to Luke 21. Jesus is going to answer that. Go to Luke 21, 20 through 24. Luke 20, 21 through 24. Luke 21, 20. I'm sorry. I got five minutes. Luke 21, 20. Glory, glory, glory. And when he was to see, and when you see Jerusalem, now watch what Jesus is talking because Jerusalem is going to be totally destroyed. That's why I told you in Jesus' ministry, Jerusalem was totally destroyed. Everything natural was destroyed. Even Jesus' physical body, everything of the Old Testament had to be destroyed. He had to rise from the dead in a glorified body and started a new covenant. All right? And when, he, when you shall see Jerusalem come past the Bible with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is not. He's talking about what you're talking about in Daniel. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountain, and let them which are in the midst of the, the part not out, let not them that are in this country enter therein. Don't come in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. These be the days of vengeance. Watch this. That all things which are written, talking about old, everything in the Old Testament which are written, may be fulfilled. What is the word fulfilled? Finished, Finished completed. Put an end to it. The whole Old Testament had to come to an end. See, Israel could not see that. See, Israel could not see that. They could not see the end of that. Because the veil was on their eyes. Keep going. But woe to them that I was child, and to them that give suck in those days, there shall be a great distress in the land, and it was and wrath upon this people. Wasn't talking about you. And verse 24 says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captain to all nations. That's what happened to Israel. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. And that's what they did with Jerusalem. Same way they did it in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. They did it in the days of the Romans also. They destroyed Jerusalem until the times of the Gentile be fulfilled. And so that's why, that's why Thessalonians told you that you would have a man sitting in the temple as God, playing as he is God, then you'll know that that is the abomination of desolation. That's what he's trying to tell you. That's not you, that was them. All right, now, uh, let's keep reading. I'm going to finish this. Verse 14, let's go to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. And he said to me, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Okay, now, now I want to go to Daniel 12, because I got just a cup I want to give you. Daniel 12, 9 through 13. Daniel 12, 9 through 13. Daniel chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. Daniel chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. My time up. He just showed you that. Okay. I got three minutes. Okay. And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up, sealed until the time of the end. Time of the end. Many shall be purified. See, if you read, if you read Malachi, you, that's the first thing I'm going to tell you about is purified. All right. Many shall be purified, made white, tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and I just showed you that the daily sacrifice was taken away when they destroyed Jerusalem. And the abomination that make a desolate set up, that's what they did, that's what Thessalonians is telling you. 
There shall be 1,290 days. You, th you don't think it's 1,290 days yet? Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,305 or 35 days. But go thy way, Daniel, to the end, that's the cross, for thou shalt rest, Daniel, in your grave, but at the cross, you're going to stand in Jerusalem again. You're going to stand in thy lot. The word lot means your inheritance at the end of the days. And in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, the grave was open. When Jesus died on the cross, the grave was open. And y'all hit something? You don't know what you got? And behold, the veil of the temple was written twain from the top to the bottom. The veil of the temple was written twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did rent, the rocks rent, the rocks rent earthquake. What happened? And the graves were open. That's Daniel. He's coming up. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose, came up out of the graves. Went into the holy city and appealed to many. My time is up. I thank you for yours. I'm here trying to help you. I'm here to give you what it took me 30, 30 years in ministry to get you.